welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. We're going to be yarn detectives this week. This is the first of two episodes where we're going to talk about identifying mystery yarn. We're going to dig deep into your stash and help you decode what it might be that you've got in there that has parted ways with any helpful information for you. Right. And part of why we're doing this is that we're going to be doing a stash-busting knit-along in the new year. So it's a good time to be identifying the mystery yarn in your stash. We're going to show you what you got and you can make choices about what to do with it. So let's talk about some scenarios where knitters end up with yarn without labeled information. There's no ball band. There's no tag. How did this happen? Maybe you just lost the ball band. Yeah, like that's the story of my life. Every single day I have, <laughs> I have yarn everywhere at home. Like not a lot. I've told you before I don't have a huge stash, but I take wound yarn and I put it down and then any details about it are gone to me. We lose ball bands in the store. Or maybe you had a work in progress that you just decided wasn't actually working for you. And so you frogged it. But because it was already wound and being worked, maybe you didn't keep the ball band. Oh, that's surely my reality, too. In addition to my little piles of wound yarn, I also have little bags of partially knit (laughs) things. And every once in a while, I get a bee in my bonnet to sort through those. And it involves a lot of reclaiming needles. And frogging and hand-winding things that I don't know what the pattern was in addition to I don't know what the yarn was. So I can't even try and like back my way out of it to figure out, oh, that was a DK weight sweater. This is probably DK weight yarn. I've got nothing. Or maybe you went thrifting and you found, you know, a shelf with a bunch of unlabeled yarn that you really liked and you took it home. I've also seen gifted yarn appear without labels. How that happens Unclear. Maybe the person who gifted it to you also thrifted it. (laughs) Sometimes I think when we're being told it's gifted yarn, it's not wrapped up in a box with wrapping paper gift. Sure. Like Aunt Jeannie came to your house and was like, my friend from work gave me this bag of her grandma's yarn. Do you want it? You're the only person I know who knits. Right. Gifted yarn. (laughs) We just set up a little free craft library in the downtown near where the store is, and I'm expecting there to be some unlabeled yarn that makes its way in there. Some, maybe. A a gentle estimation of how much unlabeled yarn might end up in there. And that's okay. Yeah. It's all knittable. Maybe at some point you received a mystery bag, whether that was like some kind of swap with a knitter friend or from a store. So I've seen a couple of interesting mystery bags online recently. Some from dyers who were like, these are mistake skeins. These are partial skeins. These are whatever. And they just wind them up into a little ball and you're buying a bag of X amount of weight of yarn and you have no idea what's in there. And when you open it, you're still not going to know what's in there. (laughs) Right. Or maybe that's how yarn shops deal with yarn that has lost the ball band. It's still knittable yarn, but like, don't have a label. Maybe we don't want to sell it as part of the regular inventory. It goes into a mystery bag. Yes. These things happen. We had to do that one time after somebody vandalized a bunch of our yarn. It was shocking. (laughs) I was out on the floor in the shop talking to a lovely knitter about some yarn. 
And while we were standing there next to a display, as I looked around the room to talk about different yarns, I looked to the shelf directly to my right, and I noticed that the skeins in this display had little wiggly yarn fingers. (laughs) It was like fringe, but it was coming out of the skeins. And my heart stopped, and I feel like all of the color fell out of my face, and I just kept talking to her so as to not create panic. (laughs) But as soon as she moved into another part of the room, I started frantically grabbing yarn out of the display, and we deciphered that someone had gone through the shelf with some scissors or snips or and had just cut all over this entire display of yarn. Like, it was a fair number of skeins. Oh, it was a lot of skeins. So now all of the scissors we have on the floor are super glued shut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no snippy snippy in our shop. <laughs> but we created some mystery mini skeins out of that because the entire skein wasn't destroyed, but it was like select strands on the outside of the skein. So we wound them off into like 20 gram balls or something. And you don't know who the dyer was. You don't know what the colorway was. They're just in a basket full of little wound up balls for you. And for a couple bucks, you can do contrast toes and heels. It's great. So we are going to attempt to help you decode this. Yes. In this first part of the series today, we're focusing on identifying the weight of the yarn and how much yarn you have in front of you, what the yardage is. And disclaimer, this is going to be an estimate. Oh, yeah. The composition of your yarn really affects the details. So like a worsted spun yarn will be heavier than a woolen spun yarn or something that's like chain plied. There are all of these little technical details. The fiber content can affect it. Maybe a merino will be heavier than mohair. So we're giving you a framework for figuring this out, but we're not going to get you down to the millimeter in your length of yarn available. So let's get you started with the tools that you're going to need to identify weight and yardage. So for identifying the weight of your yarn, and when we say weight, we've talked about this in past episodes, knitters use the term weight in two different ways. We're talking at the moment about the gauge of your yarn, like how thick or thin that strand of yarn is. Sometimes weight means an actual measurable number. How much does this thing weigh? So assuming a 100-gram skein of yarn, sometimes it says 100 grams on the ball band, and you put it on your little kitchen scale, and it says 103, and the yarn universe just gifted you some extra yarnage, (laughs) and it's great. I think I just called it yarnage instead of yardage, (laughs) and you know what? I'm not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, so actually kind of the two things that you need in order to identify your mystery yarn are the two different kinds of weight. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) So it might feel a little confusing, but we're going to try and ease you into this if this is not a process that you're familiar with. This first type of weight that we're talking about here, the thickness, not the grams measurement, you actually need a measuring tape or ruler to identify the weight of your yarn, not a scale, something to measure centimeters or inches, depending on what your measuring preference is. They do make tools for this that are just some kind of material with kind of like a rectangular notch cut down into it. And that rectangular notch is an inch. So you just wrap your yarn inside of that notch. They're often called a WPI tool or a wraps per inch tool. If you've ever seen one of those and didn't know what WPI was, it's wraps per inch. 
we're going to be talking about how you are calculating wraps per inch. You just need a couple of things to do this. You need your mystery yarn, and you need either a ruler and a pencil or a pen or a knitting needle or something, or a wraps per inch tool. You're going to use these things to get some sort of informative number, and then you're going to need a reference chart. In the show notes for this episode, there are links to wraps per inch charts in two different places. There is one on Ravelry that's kind of broad and comprehensive, and it includes information for not just one system for naming yarns, because if you are a knitter who generally knits with box store yarns, like yarns that you pick up at Joann's or Michael's or somewhere, you're used to your ball bands having numbers on it. If you shop at your LYS, you might be used to yarns having names for the weight. Or if you are somewhere in the UK or maybe Australia, there's a whole different weight name system called plies that doesn't necessarily correlate with the actual physical number of plies in your yarn that you're working with. It identifies the weight of the yarn in some secret society <laughs> system that perhaps one of you will explain to us because <laughs> this is a community effort here, friends. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the names for the weights are becoming more universally used because that's what Ravelry uses. It's helpful to have a chart because where else do you get this information all in one place? If you can't use Ravelry, though, for accessibility reasons, you can refer to the Craft Yarn Council's chart for wraps per inch, which we have also linked to, and it's got less information. I'm just going to be plain about that. There's nothing for the ply system. And it also doesn't really give you the names. It gives you names that are not used in your LYS, like DK or sport. They have the numbers and the words next to them are lace, super fine, fine, light, medium. It's an adjacent system, but not the same language. So clearly you can see that this might be a confusing process for people because we use so many different words to talk about what's essentially the same thing. Can I confess something to everyone who's listening? Definitely. So people come in and ask us to help them with identifying yarn weight, not infrequently. And I'm not sure how long this has been going on, but for years and years, Karen and I have been taking the yarn and wrapping it around something in the shop. So like your knitting needle or a Sharpie marker or something and like scrambling to figure out where we put our measuring tape last and measuring those wraps. And very recently, it occurred to us that that same WPI tool that we sell to all of you in the <laughs> shop, we could just take one for ourselves to have as a shop tool and use that to help you measure when you come in looking for help. It was like a tiny little light bulb moment that has been life changing, right? Now we're not looking for six <laughs> things. We just have the one tool. So I, first of all, I always have to look up wraps per inch. 100% of the time, it's a range of numbers. When you're wrapping your yarn, you don't want to squish it super tight or leave it super loose. You just want to figure out how many wraps you get if you just sort of lay it next to itself naturally. Yeah, this is not a competition for like how many you can squish on there. And you don't want to like <laughs> squeeze it and pull it really tight yeah. because that will totally distort your yarn. Like yarn is springy and stretchy. It's bad times if you're trying to squeeze too many onto the tool. Right. So if you don't have one of those wraps per inch tools handy, you can totally just use whatever you have. You just need something that you can wrap. So a marker, whatever, but you are going to need to have a separate measuring tool also to figure out where your inch is. 
yeah, whether it's your ruler or your measuring tape, as long as it's got some accurate numbers, you're in good shape. Don't use a wrist ruler. Oh, no. You might have one. They were really popular for a couple of years. I feel like I see them less everywhere now. But wrist rulers, if you're not familiar, is like a knitter fashion accessory. (laughs) And they're generally made of leather. I think most of them are made of leather. And they have your measuring marks etched into the leather. And it wraps a couple times around your wrist. And it's cute and handy. But it also stretches. Yes. Over time. So it's kind of like a tailor's tape. Over long periods of use, those numbers become less accurate. And if you're looking for like actual accuracy, use a rigid measuring tool like a ruler. And there is some overlap in the number of wraps per inch for each of the different weights of yarn. So just for example, worsted weight is 9 through 12 wraps per inch and DK weight is 11 through 15. So if you got 11 or 12 wraps, then you're also kind of using your judgment. Does this feel more worsted? Does this feel more DK? Does it really matter at that point? No. And you know why it doesn't matter? Because you're going to (laughs) swatch. I say supportively and confidently. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with mystery yarn, you have to swatch. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we think we've figured out what weight our mystery yarn is because we've measured and we've consulted the chart that offends all of our type A sensibilities (laughs) by not giving us hard specific numbers, but a range of numbers. Right. So we've got ballpark estimates on what someone would consider this weight to be. We know someone who produces yarn who had a very clear vision of what weight their yarn was, and it was labeled a particular way. And when it was knit up, the gauge that it knit to was consistently in a different weight range. Yes. They called it one thing as the producer, but as a hand knitter, the results that you could get fell squarely into another category of yarn weight. So that is all to say that similar to beauty is in the eye of the beholder, (laughs) this is kind of all a little bit up for interpretation. So don't panic when you go to refer to the wraps per inch chart and you're looking at these suggestions because this is art. It's not like hard fact science. Oh, there's yarn that we currently have in the store that when we first brought it in, The producer had it listed as DK weight. And when I went to look at it recently, she's moved it to worsted weight. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like a new batch came in slightly heavier or she reevaluated. I have no idea. But this is all a little, it's fine. Mm -hmm. In this situation where we have an algebra equation with two variables, we're solving for X and we're solving for Y, where both X and Y are somehow called weight, we have identified one of those things, maybe, the Other thing we have to do to figure out the yardage is figure out the gravity weight, like how much it actually weighs on a scale. Yes. We've got our scientific investigation hats on, your yarn CSI here. You've got that information. The other things you need are a kitchen or postage scale, whatever you have most readily accessible to you. Please don't use a bathroom scale. (laughs) It's less than a pound. (laughs) That's all you're going to know. Great. So some cutie little scale. If you don't have one at home, get in touch with your local yarn shop because chances are high that they have one available. The other thing that you need that you can do nothing without is a yarn weight and yards per pound chart. This feels like a mouthful. 
I looked at a lot of them online, and there were a number of them that were confusing to me. So in the show notes, there is a link to the one that I felt was maybe most accessible to people. These charts give you estimates and ranges because, like I said before, your fiber content and the yarn construction really affects how much the yarn physically weighs. But the chart that we're going to be referencing is the Sweet Georgia Spinzilla series for calculating fiber quantities. We'll link it. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) And Spinzilla, if you're not familiar, is I think a project that came out of Nitty.com many years ago and is possibly still happening, but it's like a hand spinning event. And this is a chart that hand spinners use to calculate their yardage of this yarn that they've created and didn't come with a ball band because they just made it. (laughs) Another thing that will be helpful to you is having your robot beep your boops. That might mean you've got a calculator on hand or your smartphone, which has a calculator in it, or just in your little Google browser, type in a math equation. The robot knows what you're talking about. It will be easier than working this out on paper, unless that's how you really prefer to do these things, and then more power to you. Right. So the most accurate way to measure the gravity weight, the actual how heavy is it, of your yarn is whatever scale you're using, put it in grams because that's the smallest, most granular measurement. But in order to use the Spinzilla chart, you need to convert those grams into pounds. For example, our mystery skein of yarn, 360 grams of mystery worsted weight yarn. And wouldn't you know, that would be a lot of yarn in one hand because a standard skein is like 100 grams. 360 grams of mystery worsted weight yarn. I'm going to beep, boop, boop. Hey, Google, what is 360 grams in pounds? Google tells me 0.79 pounds. I believe them. (laughs) So now we're going to use the Sweet Georgia chart. And we can say, based on this chart, that there's an average of 1,000 yards per pound of worsted weight yarn. Thank you, Sweet Georgia and Spinzilla. I did not know that. Your next step is to do a little bit of multiplication. And aren't we all lucky I picked worsted weight for this example because it's a 1,000 yards per pound, so the math is really easy. (laughs) We're going to multiply the average yardage, 1,000, by the weight of the yarn in front of us, which is 0.79. And based on that calculation, we can estimate that we have about 790 yards of yarn in this 360 grams. Kerpow. (laughs) Boom. High five. Right. And then you can figure out what you can make with it. Mm -hmm. The other way to do this, and y'all are going to roll your eyes a little bit and say, why didn't you just (laughs) tell us this in the first place, is if you have access to a yardage meter, just run your yarn through that. (laughs) Yardage meters are neat little tools that you will definitely not have at home unless you're a spinner, probably. It's not something you just randomly have laying around your house. It's a specialty tool that you have to seek out. But you may have seen one in your yarn shop clamped to a table connected between their swift and their ball winder. It's got a little gear and it's like an odometer in your car. You just wind the yarn running it through the little track in whatever model of yarn yardage or meter calculator you have. And the little numbers will flip. It will be satisfying. And you will have an answer at the end of it that is actually more accurate than our calculations because we're working with estimates with our calculations. 
Right. So you can also a little bit go backwards in that case. If you have access to one of those yardage meters, you don't have to do the wraps per inch method to identify the thickness weight of your yarn because you can run it through the yardage meter. You can put it on the scale and kind of do all of these calculations backwards if you wanted to. Because all of our brains work differently (laughs) and that's okay. Some of it makes sense in one direction. Some of it makes sense in the other direction. (laughs) So that was a lot. I feel like it was two very specific sets of information that are maybe challenging to wrap your brain around without having the charts in front of you and like actually working through it in practice. It's a hard thing to just listen to. So I would encourage you, if you have yarn at home, even if you have the ball band, it's a good thing to practice just to like get over any sort of apprehension you have about your ability to confidently do this for yourself, because someday in a pinch, it's going to come in handy. But you have the ball band to check your work, like the back of your math workbook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Smarty, smarty. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit about how to identify the actual fiber. Yeah. Channel your inner Mr. Wizard. It involves fire. And chemicals (laughs) and all sorts of exciting stuff. And between now and then, we are going to not only prepare to talk about those things, we're going to do them so you have access to some photos of our mad science experiments, which I hope you love. And if there's any accidents, we will not include those photos, (laughs) but maybe we'll talk about them. You won't include those photos. Mm, (laughs) Exciting. Hey, Jessica, what's on your needles? What is on my needles? Oh, I'm done with my socks. That's exciting. That's very exciting. But you won't see them until the end of the knit along. So I'm not talking (laughs) about the socks that I finished. I am in the process of knitting a Felix cardigan. Oh, nice. By Amy Christophers, who is a designer who's local to us. And you might know her online as Savory Knitting. Super cute cardigan designed for adults. I'm knitting it for a 10-year-old. I thought I could be crafty. (laughs) I did not swatch. And I thought, I'm just going to shrinkulate this by going down a yarn weight and down by some needle sizes. And then I knit a fair amount into the yoke of this sweater, decided to measure the gauge. That was my swatch. And then I decided to measure the child that it's intended for. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) See, I worked in another direction. You kind of knit a gauge swatch in that you knit a bunch of the body. You didn't swatch the kid? I didn't measure the kid before I started. Because I am deeply in denial about how gigantic my littlest baby now is. (laughs) And I was like, she's 10. She's kid size still, but she's small adult sized. Oh, yeah. So I frogged that. And we have also not done swatches, really, but we have altered this experimental (laughs) knitting project by deciding that the DK weight yarn that I let her pick out for this heavy worsted weight project is now being held double with a strand of sock yarn. Oh, and it's really pretty and it feels like more chunky, substantial fabric. So it'll be cozy for her and it will make it bigger so it'll fit. So stay tuned. (laughs) For what mishaps I have with the Felix cardigan. (laughs) (laughs) It'll fit till she grows like six inches in three months. (sighs) And then I'll be sad that no one I know can wear it. (laughs) Karen, what's on your needles? Socks. Still socks. I'm only knitting socks. I actually realized the other day that I have no idea where my sweater went. What? Yeah. I tucked it away somewhere and I realized I didn't know where it was. 
And I realized that when I surprise found my Gresham wrap, which is like half done. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't even know I'd lost this. But now the universe has hidden away my sweater. It just wants me to knit socks. That's it. And maybe your Gresham wrap. <laughs> <laughs> You've been reunited. Right. Yeah, it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's happen. beautiful. <laughs> it's a good one. So we did Yarn Detective. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for a Question Detective? Yeah, I'm always ready to play detective. <laughs> We've got a letter. Yay! This week's letter comes from Patty. Hey, Patty. My son-in-law wears a size 14 shoe. I was hoping you could give me a few sock pattern suggestions for men's socks for larger feet, or tell me what to look for when picking a pattern for a larger size. Keep in mind that I have only made one pair of socks, and they were more of a sock slipper. I'm an experienced knitter and know that I can probably just lengthen the foot part to make it long enough, but is there something else I need to consider in the construction of the sock? Also. Would I need to buy two skeins of sock yarn to make sure I have enough yarn, or is there enough yarn in a typical sock yarn skein to add the additional length? That's a great question, Patty. And in order to answer this, I had to do a little research to figure out exactly how big a size 14 foot is, because I don't have size 14 men's sizing feet, so I am unfamiliar with this measurement. But what I learned is that size US 14 men's shoe is what is called a size 47 in the EU. And measurement-wise, that is a foot that is 11.875 inches or 30.2 centimeters long. It's a big foot. In total fairness, that foot is not a full foot. Aha! <laughs> Indeed it is not. So I think it's a really good question because you might need to do something different if you're changing a sock pattern that it's not graded to that size shoe. If you are looking at what a small adult sock instructions are in a pattern versus the large or the extra large size, and as an aside, size 14 on most patterns falls outside of that extra large range, the proportions are different. Like the point at which the designer tells you to start working on the gusset increases or decreases is not in the same spot because feet aren't paper doll cutouts, like we're three-dimensional. So the arch of your foot is at a different point in the length if your foot is seven inches long than it is if your foot is 10 inches long. Right. Because of that, since you are not a super experienced sock knitter, I think... You could do the calculations and the math and try and figure that out, although I don't know that I can point you to specific equations. It might involve taking lots of measurements of this person's foot. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that would be highly individual. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no standardized... Foot shape? Yeah, like your arch could fall forward or back, depending. Can we go on a quick little journey based on a knitter's sock experience in our shop? Sure. We have a friend who knits at the shop who was knitting for her daughter's boyfriend, and she was making him socks. And if I'm remembering this correctly, she was like, he's got little hobbit feet. And 
had to be really specific about what sock pattern she chose to knit for him and make some changes to how she had to knit it in order to make it fit his feet. So feet are funny things. Basic framework for everyone who has them, but they're all shaped a little different. Yes. So I would recommend looking for patterns that accommodate a foot size that will fit your son-in-law. I found two for you by looking through measurements on Ravelry listings. The Rye Light Socks from Tin Can Knits. The size large is for 11 and a quarter inches. And they tell you in the instruction that it's easy to just knit the foot longer based on the heel instep construction. Like it's easy to just keep knitting to accommodate extra length in the foot. And since that's just around a half an inch difference, it would probably work. Oh, for sure. That pattern for that size calls for 480 yards. So that is more yardage than is in a standard skein of sock yarn. So yes, you need a second skein for this person, especially if you want to add any length in the legs at all. It's highly variable on how much yarn you're going to use in the leg. But yeah, you need more yarn. You do sometimes come across like a fingering weight skein of yarn that is more than the standard like 430 for something around there. But oftentimes it's single ply, which doesn't make for great sock yarn. Mm -hmm. The other pattern that would work for this is actually the DRK Everyday Socks. The men's large size in this pattern is for feet that range from 11 and a quarter to 12 inches. An entire foot foot. Ah. <laughs> and that pattern calls for 530 yards. So we're getting confirmation that a sock set that big definitely needs more than one skein of yarn. Yes, that seems wise. And there are probably many other patterns, too. It'll take a little bit of looking around, but you're going to want to look for patterns that let you see the size ranges and what those measurements are, not just small, medium, large, before you purchase the pattern, because it doesn't make sense to get one that's not going to work for your needs. If you're knitting toe up and your son-in-law is sort of physically in proximity to you, Having him try it on, if it's not a surprise gift, kind of as you go, and then maybe making notes for yourself for future socks also. So then you know, like, oh, this is where to start the heel wouldn't be a terrible thing, but it's not always possible. I hope this is helpful. Have fun knitting these socks. It's going to be a lot of sock knitting. Yes. Like so much sock knitting. And you can totally do it. Let us know how it goes. Oh, I feel like we've done so well today. We've talked about yardage and identifying yardage, and we segued into a question that had to do with yardage <laughs> and socks. And now we're going to segue into talking about our knit along, also socks. So as of the day this posts, we'll have 10 days left until this knit along ends. Do you know how much panic that fills me with to think about 10 days until the end of the year? I know. I know. What? <laughs> So you can still join if you want to knit a pair of socks in 10 days. You could knit another pair of socks in 10 days. You could knit part of a pair of socks. You can participate by posting pictures with the hashtag MakeGoodSocks on Instagram or share comments and photos on the little blog post at the bottom of MakeGoodPod.com. One of you is going to win a $150 gift card to scratch. You don't have to be done with your socks to win, but we want you to be done with your socks for your feet. We figured out how we're going to do the sock hop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Since the knit-along ends on the 31st, but that's New Year's Eve, we're going to do it on New Year's Day at some time. We'll tell you later. Don't worry. It won't be early in the morning. (laughs) Sleep in and rest. (laughs) And what we're going to do is we're going to go live on Instagram. And if you have socks you want to show off, you request to join us on our live and we'll boop you up onto the robot and you can show off your socks however you want to do it. And then we'll cycle through everybody. It'll be fun. It's super exciting. (laughs) Yay, robots, because what a fun, interactive way for us to all show off these things and not have to be in the same place. It's magic. You could be anywhere. It'll be lovely. I think that's it for us this week. You can listen to us anywhere, everywhere, similar to places you can knit. You can just do it anytime. But really what I mean is you can get our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Or directly from our website, which is makegoodpod.com, you should rate and review us and let people know what you think because it helps other knitters find us. Big thank you to our Patreon supporters. We appreciate all of you. You can check out our Patreon. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram. Maybe you haven't participated in a knit-along with us yet, but you should. (laughs) And that's the place where we do it. So get ready. Go click follow. All of the show notes and a bunch of other stuff can be seen if you swipe on your podcast listening or if you go to makegoodpod.com and you can use the link right there to send us questions. The email is dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. You can also leave us a voicemail because it's our favorite. Just click the little (laughs) microphone thing at the bottom of the page. We love actually hearing from you, though we're happy to read from you too. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. 